0: When I first started to read a lot into philosophy, those who knew me had a lot of questions as to why I was interested in the field. Many people today see philosophy as a pointless endeavor. This is due to the perception created by those who say they're well-versed in philosophy, and on the subject do nothing but conjure up a huge rhetorical word salad of next to meaningless nonsense. Their utterances do nothing to further man's understanding of himself and his place in the universe, but rather aim at disintegration and destroying his understanding. The field is full of those who wish not to further man's understanding, but to dissuade those who try to bring clarity to the chaos that they manifest. So, why study philosophy? In this video, I shall go through the history of philosophers, naming both their explicit reasons and the implicit benefits that their systems gave to the pursuit of knowledge. We start our search for knowledge where it all began, on the island of Miletus, with the father of philosophy. Thales. He observed water taking upon the states of solid, liquid and gas, and came to the conclusion that water was the primary substance that subsumes all matter. Though the material monism put forward by Thales isn't at all considered impressive by today's standards, it signifies a crucial goal that philosophy has tried to achieve since the very beginning. The integration of knowledge, attempting to find the one in the many. A crucial step in the journey of man's knowledge is the use of percepts to form concepts. This enables us to free our minds to study the unknown and increase the scope of our knowledge. Though many ancient Greek philosophers at the time saw their work as making definitive metaphysical statements, looking back we can gain an understanding of human epistemology to see that they were making steps in the right direction, paving the way for the great integrators that we admire today. After the Milesian school of material monism, the next prominent philosophical school was the Pythagoreans. You may know the most prominent philosopher of this school, from which the school bears his name and from the mathematical theorem that also bears his name. That man, of course, is Pythagoras. With this link, you'd be absolutely correct in guessing that his worth in mathematics influenced his philosophy. The mathematical theorems he came to understand are said to have been known through revelation. This revelation is the sudden understanding that the field of mathematics gives to those who are enthralled in the subject. The Pythagoreans saw the study of mathematics as a purely mystical endeavour So that brings us back to why study philosophy? This answer is both ethical and epistemological. The life that is of highest virtue is the one that is dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge. True knowledge is that of the realm of mathematics, which is achieved through contemplation of another world. Our next prominent philosopher, Plato, is best understood in the most hotly contested question of the minds of the philosophers of the time. What is the nature of change? This question is best explained through the views of the most radical. On the side of constant change was Heraclitus, who believed that everything was in a constant state of flux. Meaning everything is what it is and what it isn't. In his own words, we both step and do not step in the same rivers. We are and are not. On the other side was Parmenides, who saw the contradictions of Heraclitus and came to the conclusion that change must not exist. If our senses perceive this contradiction, then our senses must be deceptive. Plato set about to rectify this conflict. He agreed with Parmenides that change would imply a contradiction, but definitely saw change happen. From this, Plato concluded that this world isn't real. What we see is an Illusion, a world of particulars from a world of forms that contains all abstract universals. Plato reconciles Heraclitus and Parmenides by saying change exists in this world of particulars, but not in the world of forms. At this point we can finally give the answer Plato would give to why you should study philosophy. Knowledge of this illusionary world of particulars is meaningless. True knowledge comes from recollection. Your eternal soul has merely forgotten its knowledge of the world of forms, and thus the most moral life you can lead is spending your time contemplating to try and recall your buried knowledge of the world of forms. Even though Plato and Pythagoras are extremely similar in their mysticism, Plato was more known in comparison to a student, Aristotle. Their differences aren't particularly necessarily in this current inquiry, so the ins and outs of their disagreements will be subject to future study. On the subject of studying philosophy, Aristotle said that man should be concerned with living a happy life in this world, which is achieved through man's unique faculty of reason. The rest of his philosophy attempts to justify how man may live such a life through this worldly epistemology and metaphysics. Though in many respects he wasn't completely consistent, when looking back at a philosopher, you should be more considered with the essence of their philosophy and what they aim to achieve. This essence should be considered as the direction they took and the ways in which they departed from the common ideas of the time. Though he's considered a great integrator in many aspects, you can make a strong case that what he was aiming for took a lot more integration capable for one man in his lifetime. You could say that this sort of life wasn't considered possible until a thorough understanding of universal human rights as presented by Locke in the 17th century and led to the Industrial Revolution, creating huge amounts of wealth and bringing man into a true age of individualism. This isn't the last we'll see of these Aristotelian ideas during our investigation. The very last philosopher we'll be discussing builds upon these ideas in a modern context with universal human rights in mind. The post-Aristotelian philosophers didn't bring too much to the table when it came to this question. The Epicureans taught a negative hedonism that equates to valuing nothing so you may never suffer when losing it. And the Stoics taught an indifference to the material in favour of the spiritual. The next philosopher who became dominant, who brought into Europe the Dark Ages until the rediscovery of Aristotle, was the Christian philosopher St. Augustine. The philosophy of St. Augustine brings together the teachings of Christianity with the philosophical work of Plato, whose legacy was continued by the Neoplatonists, and specifically the philosopher Plotinus, in adopting the ideas of a barely real world created by a divine mind with a will known as God. True knowledge is not found through the study of this world. Unlike Plato, it's not found through individual recollection. True knowledge is found in absolute faith in God and belief in divine revelation. You must unquestionably love God and from this your fellow man. Life is not to be enjoyed but to be endured through sacrifice to those who suffer. Man must renounce worldly pleasures and abandon independent judgment to seek forgiveness for the original sin he has inherited. On the subject of why you should study philosophy, St. Augustine is possibly the first to say that you shouldn't. Study of this world is an arrogant waste of time, though understanding God's commandments can bring you closer to the divine. It certainly isn't necessary. You should follow his commandments with complete certainty, regardless of whether you understand their importance. Throughout the Dark Ages, Catholicism and the philosophy of St. Augustine reigned supreme. The few philosophers who were able to philosophise were the scholastics who were in the position of reconciling philosophy with religious dogma and creating new arguments for the existence of God. Study of philosophy finally came back into prominence with the rediscovery of Aristotle and his reconciliation with Christianity by Saint Thomas Aquinas. By separating theology into two groups, natural theology that could be explained through reason and revealed theology that doesn't contradict reason. Aquinas tries to reconcile Christianity with living life on Earth. According to Aquinas, God gave us reason, therefore man must follow his reason, regardless of whether it aligns with faith. Because the erring reason binds, therefore man cannot be accused of having done wrong if his reason is mistaken. So why should you study philosophy? To use your God-given faculty of reason to achieve your destiny here on Earth and save the afterlife till after your life. After Aquinas and the Reformation weakened the authority of the Catholic Church, philosophers were once again free to philosophize though not necessarily leading to the best of results. Though John Locke developed the theory of universal and inalienable individual rights, the shaky philosophic ground that he stood upon that he took to be true, from the nominalism of Hobbes and the self-evidence of consciousness reached through Cartesian doubt by Descartes, led British empiricism to come to a philosophic dead-end with the skepticism of Hume. Seeing this, Immanuel Kant jumped on the scene denouncing reason as impotent at knowing reality. Immanuel Kant was the first philosopher to systematically deploy skepticism into his philosophy and announce what he called the noumenal world as unknowable. What we know is the phenomenal world, which is created by the synthesizing processes of the mind on the data that is given to us by the noumenal world. Kant starts by saying the noumenal world is unknowable but backtracks on this when he gets to the question of ethics. Ethics is one of the only fields that allegedly gives us access to the noumenal world. This is because we all supposedly have a sense that we are obliged to perform certain actions, prior to existence and divorced from desire. These actions that every human must form is termed by Kant as the categorical imperative. A set of universalizable moral commandments that all must perform, not because you want to or because of the outcome, but because it is your duty. You in fact get no moral credit for any action of which you want to do and it is your duty to do. A moral action is only moral if done from the standpoint of acting from duty. Here we get Kant's answer to why one should study philosophy. To you know that reason is impotent at understanding reality in itself. The noumenal world is subject to faith. Kant expressed this in his own worlds by saying, I found it necessary to limit knowledge in order to make room for faith. Instead, reason should be directed towards the field of ethics, not for the purpose of achieving happiness as that is ineffective and futile, but to achieve a higher and nobler end, complete obedience to the categorical imperative as your duty. Some of the categorical imperatives Kant names outright are to preserve one's life, honesty and altruism, all of which must be formed regardless, but only those who are indifferent or have an inclination against doing so are truly moral. In this ethic, who are really moral? Kant not only says that his morality isn't for achieving happiness here on Earth, it in fact states outright that the only moral people are those who are miserable and seek their own self-destruction, and those who are deserving aren't those who bring prosperity, but those who suffer. David Hume, after realizing his line of thinking led to skepticism, decided to stop philosophizing as he realized it was impossible to live by such terms. Immanuel Kant decided to continue to push the dagger of skepticism into the heart of Western civilization, institutionalizing it for centuries to come. His ethic a blueprint for any monster to be able to take and wreak havoc upon humanity. Is there any light at the end of this very long tunnel to be able to give us hope for the ages to come? I'm glad to tell you that there is, and that beacon comes in the form of the novels and the theories that expound the philosophy of objectivism, the philosophy of Ayn Rand. This is the philosophy of objective reality, that man may use his senses and his rational faculty to understand the world and achieve his own happiness. Specific arguments against the theories that led to the scepticism spread by the Kantians and the Humeans, and also the determinism presented by the mechanistic materialists, are not too relevant to the current questions, so I assure you they will be subject to a discussion in the near future. To get back to the question of why one should study philosophy, is to be able to understand how to best act in a way that is in your rational self-interest by achieving the values that are important and vital to your life. But how does one do so? You must first be able to understand what exists, how you know it, and the nature of man before you can approach how and why you must act. If you believe happiness is unachievable and man is doomed to failure, logic concludes that your own life isn't going to be your call to action. If you have undeserved guilt about pursuing your own life, the likelihood is that you'll feel obliged to act on the duty of death as prescribed by Kant. This is because regardless of whether you study philosophy, your life will be guided by one. Man's means of knowledge is to take percepts and integrate them into concepts. So regardless of whether you feel a study of abstract ideas is important, you'll necessarily be guided by a set of them. To not would be to stay at the same level as understanding as a newborn. You should study philosophy to understand the current philosophy that is guiding your life, whether held consciously or not, and understand its validity to change such ideas, to be certain in your thinking, and then be able to pursue your life as an end in itself. You may ask, why study the philosophies that are clearly utter nonsense? Well, how do you know it's nonsense? Only through a study of those philosophies that are dangerous and self-destructive. Can you understand their contradictions, their false presuppositions and their common arguments to then protect your life and your pursuit of it, as well as defend the good, the truth and the just in a politic that defends the universal individual rights of its citizens. I hope this video has given you a lot of information on the history of philosophy and why you should study the field. If you did enjoy it and you have some questions, leave them in the comments and I'll try and get back to you. Thank you very much for watching and I'll see you in a visit.